Welcome to episode 579 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 579 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good. This is just something different about today, though. It's bloody cold outside today in Christchurch, New Zealand. I'm not quite sure what the difference is. Well, you're looking pretty old, but then you've, you've decided... Oh, I'm in my 40s. Oh, uh, I've decided I'm in my 40s. I better go get a haircut to make Got myself it. look like I'm still in my 30s. Got my 13-year-old haircut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the address and said, make me look 13 again. Yep, I've turned 40, John. You should be a football player with Do that you know what I probably should be. I wish I was making that kind of money. Mm. We've got our second football player in the English Premier League. Oh, did he make it, did he? Chris Wood, playing for Burnley. Jeez, Go they, Burnley. They make some money, don't they? Yeah. And there's another one coming, isn't it, for Leeds? No, he's gone from Leeds to Burnley. Oh, is that what it is? Mm. So, 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 I don't know. John, but you know what happens when you hit 40? Well, you'd know because you're 40. Yeah. You get two comments. From people mm-hmm. younger than you, you go, oh, you old bugger. Mm-hmm. People older than you, they say, oh, 40s is the new 20s. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Different contrast. Different contrast. Did you do anything exciting for <coughs> your birthday? Well, Joe, Joe did really well, actually. We had a couple of family dinners. And then we just went temper bowling with some friends and we came back and watched rugby. And John, right. I suck at temper bowling. Really? Really bad. Like, second game, I got 60. God, Thomas went to play... Hey, he would have used the aisles. <laughs> yeah, he did. Come on, give me that I think much. he said he got 96 or something. Yeah, he would have used the aisles. I would have got 96 if I used the aisles as well. Oh. What do you reckon? Are you a good bowler? No, not especially, but, yeah. You know, I get, get a 100. Stri- get a strike and a couple of spears. That's the and key, because I didn't get many strikes. Yeah. Thinking, I think I got no strikes. Oh, dear. I know. Getting my, old. Getting old. Ha- happy birthday on behalf of me and the I'm Talk. I got a few family. emails from some of the listeners too. Thank you very much for that. Okay, anyway, I'm Talk is proudly brought to you by Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme Your endurance. Lactic buffer. And our patrons. And let's have a couple John. Jeff the Explosion Curry. That's one of the good ones of all time. Brad the Looker Armstrong. He must be a bit of a looker. And Andy the Lion King Cipollini. Cipollini, that's a good last name. Okay, and this Mario Cipollini. If some people didn't see, he's a you wouldn't know. He's a cyclist. Was a, one of the top sprinters, or the top I know, sprinter I know, in of the, the name in the sort of nineties. And he did, he's he, he wasn't did, the pirate. Who no, was the pirate? no, no, that Marco that Pantani. He died, didn't he? He did. Yep. Now Mario Cipollini is your consummate. Italian, suave, oh, smooth, really? mussy dude. I saw a picture of him the other day advertising something and he was riding his bike naked. I've done that. Mm-hmm. Remember that photo of me, John? You've got a new office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> At the shrine. Bevan's shrine. <laughs> shrine to Bevan. Yeah. yeah, I was on a billboard. Remember that? No, I don't. But Okay, I'll put on this week's photo for, on yeah. the website. I once did it for Kimberly's mm-hmm. and I'm naked on a bike. Kimberly's is a woman's I know, women's I know, they're perfect at me, John. They're yeah. saying, you've done your shopping, now go perfect this. And uh, it was a billboard. It was all around town on a billboard. But it's side on. You don't see my wanger. Mm. It's just side on. Mm-hmm. It was when I was young and fit, so I was pretty sharp. It was done on a winter's day. Yep, yep. There's a shrinkage, just tell you. Anyway, uh, this week's show is brought to you. Oh, sorry, we've done that. Um, we've got some news. We've got a discussion of the week. We've got a coach's corner. What's that on, John? We've got, it's only taken a few years to answer this one, but now I found an old question there from Torsten and a couple of questions in Coach's Corner this week. We've got an app of the week, which seems to be pretty popular. We've got a few people talking about it. We've also got a website of the week, and we've got some couple questions and answers at the end. Jombo, we had a few results happening this weekend. Mm. So, so em- they em- were in my earlier show notes. Did you read the show notes? 
No, I've just got Torsten. Thanks to Torsten from TryRaining.com. Oh, got the email there. He gives them a nice summary of the results. So they go trawling through all the websites and they also have all the splits on there. And also, you know, what Torsten does really well is highlighting who was quicker than predicted, slower than predicted in the, in the different disciplines. So it wasn't last weekend, but it was last week um, when we were recording the show. Embra Man was in progress. Uh, Marcel Zamora ended up taking that out. So we know that the bike course over there... It's a pretty good prize money. Oh, it's great prize money. How do they get the money? It's... Because uh, it's not a big field. Oh, no, it's a decent-sized race. But the, in, in France and Germany and things like that, the, there's a lot of council money and regional money. 25,000 euro for the winner. It's, I've said this before, it's one of the biggest prize money races, you know, outside of Kona and... It's, and perhaps a champion, or it's on par with a championship race, or very, very similar to it. So Marcel Zamora, he's a he's a regular there. Swam forty eight forty eight, biked five fifty, and then uh, ran three hours and twenty four seconds to take it out from Andrzej Vistika from Croatia in second, and Yaroslav Koviak from Slovenia in third in 9.48. Pretty close there, less than a minute. 59 seconds between second and third. John, what do you think about the sexist prize money? <laughs> yeah, it's not good. It's not good. And uh, So the, the male takes 25, the male winner. The female takes 19. The second place gets 15,000, 11,000. Third at 11 and third in the female nine. And, and also the, it doesn't pay as deep on the female side of things either. So not great, but it's... Um, the old school team sharpen mm, up. So uh, on the girls side of things, Tina Dickers... How uh, do they justify that nowadays? Oh, let's not go down that rabbit hole. No, they need to be. They're a great race, but sharpen up. It's French. Still, sharpen mm. up. You know, yeah. they're, they're all pro athletes. Sharpen up. They need, a, they need a bit of a slap around the button on this one. So Tina Dickers took out the girls race in a 55-minute swim, 6.31 on the bike and 3 hours 20 on the run to hold out Carrie Lester, who was just slightly closing in on the run. She, Carrie Lester swam 53, rode 6.38 and ran 3.18. Uh, most important thing with Carrie Lester, she did check her husband, um, Scott DeFilippis, <laughs> and uh, third place was Charlotte Morel from France in 11.04. So great, great race, and is definitely, as I've said many times before, is on my bucket list to go and get done. Good times. Okay, we also had a couple of the, the female and male only races. So Ironman Sweden was an only male pro field. And who took that one out, John? Clement Alonso mm. McKenna took that out. 47 minute swim, 424 on the bike. And at 250, he won it coming with a very good run of a 250 for 80748 and won by a minute and 10 seconds over Cameron Wirth from Australia, who swam 50, rode a very impressive 414. That guy is an axe on the bike and will be no doubt duking it out in Kona with uh, Starkowitz if he's over there to see who can have the fastest bike split. He rode 4.14 so he put <sighs> 9 to 10 minutes into everybody on the bike and then you know, a respectable 3 hours and 58 seconds but just not quite enough to hang on. 3 hours and 8 uh, no, 3 hours and 38 seconds not well, quite Clement, Clement had a pretty amazing run. 2.50 and that, solid. Compared to the rest of the field. Espan mm. uh, Hufgaard was in 3rd place and as Bevan said no pro females there. And then we had the female race which is Ironman Copenhagen and Michelle Brestery took it out. She's just over nine hours. She'd been racing up a storm, and she—I I saw the little clip of her coming down the finishing chute. She wasn't in a. Didn't look like she was in a rush. 
Oh, that 19 seconds cost her then, didn't it? I mean, she probably didn't lose 19 seconds in the finish shoot, but she certainly wasn't sprinting for the line or anything like that. But she had the race well under control. She swam 53, rode 4.48, and ran 3.15 to take it out from Corrine Abraham, who was eight minutes back in 9.08, and Sophie Goss was another sort of nine minutes back in 9.17. Jeez, a lot of races on. I'm in Trim Blanc as well. This is the last weekend of qualifying because, uh, you know, after this, it's uh, all done and dusted for Kona. How many of these athletes are going to rock up to Kona, we don't know. But Marino Van Holenacker did a dojo domination, as you would have kind of expected him to do against the the quality of the field at this race. He swam 53 minutes, rode 426, had a big lead coming off the bike and ran a 2.56 for 8 hours, 21.29. And he was... Just over 20 minutes in front of Chris McDonald, but it's a you know good solid performance by Chris McDonald. Yeah. He's getting well, they're both getting towards the end of their career. So how would Chris be now? Be about 40, wouldn't he? No, he's a few years younger than us. Oh, he'd, he? be, um, he'd be mid to, mid to late 30s. Okay. But he's been in terms of his athletic age, he's been around for bloody ages because yeah. he would have been racing pro since probably about. 2005? 2003, 2004, yeah, 2003, okay. 2004. Yeah. So he's been. But Marino Van Holnacker, he would be. I'm going to say, so we're f- I'm 41. Yeah, he I'll would, he would be. I reckon he'll be at 43 going on 44. Oh, really? Yep. Uh, and so Chris McDonald was second. Jordan Monac from Canada 41. was third. Marino's only 41. <laughs> he's only 41. No, he's not. Well, Wikipedia says. Wikipedia is wrong. <laughs> it's born on July the 19th, 1976. God, I'm older than him. He does. He he's got that weathered athlete look. No, I'm not saying that. He, uh, I didn't. He, he came out to New Zealand when, yeah, I was, at, I was at university. He must have been a bloody spring chicken then when he came out here. Yep. Bloody hell, good on him. But he's been around for a long time as he's well. He's got a third, a sixth, and a second. He got he got oh, ITU World Championships. Mm. I mean World Championship. He got a bronze in 2010. Yeah, he's going to go down as one of the, the best, best athletes not to win Kona and not consistently be on the well, podium. He's had that one result there, but he's had a lot of mm, not near misses. But he's know, probably the most athlete who's blown up. Yes, you know yeah. who had a chance to win the race. Yeah, got himself into winning positions and has managed to see the de- seal the deal. It was pretty much <laughs> he must never want to go to an energy lab well, in his life. Now he's qualified, and oh, we'll go into that a bit later on. Okay. Uh, great to see Chad. Uh, Dietitian. Holderbaum in fourth place. Uh, he's a, you know an age group racing as a pro. We interviewed him a while ago. Uh, on girls' side of things, pretty good racing. Old Rachel Joyce uh, managed to nab her spot for Kona, so she's done three Ironmans in succession. You know, very very short period. She did Boulder where she won. She did uh, Ironman Canada was it a week or two ago, um, a couple of weeks ago, and had a poor performance there, so didn't have enough points. And then she's come back here and had a good strong day at the office. She swam 56, rode 5.07 and ran 3.08. Uh, she had to work for it on the run because Kim Schwalbenbauer uh, was closing in slightly there, so she was only ended up being just over two minutes in front and then another four minutes back to uh, Jenny Hansen in third place. So good, old, good to see Joycey back in the game. Very... Friendly, chatty lady, and a real crowd favourite. Now, do, is, do we know if she's going to Kona? She is, as far as uh, what she was sort of saying in post-race interviews. That's the reason for going there. She needed to finish. Uh, she didn't need to win the race, She, but she, I think she needed to finish in the top five or something like okay. that to get enough points, but she certainly got enough points now. A few 70.3 races. David McNamee uh, had a fantastic run, a 111 to run down Roman Guillaume in uh, double 70.3. By 15, 30 seconds. Yeah, so he ran a 111 
Brisbane to Roman Guillaume's 116. Uh, on the girls' side, I think Sarah Lewis took it out from Susie Cheatham. Susie Cheatham's got to be a not a a dark horse of Kona, but I reckon she'll be uh, she'll be out there doing the damage. And in Indonesia, we had a Kiwi double at uh, seventy point three. Last time that happened. Mike Phillips for his first ever sort of international win. He's won plenty of the major international races in Christchurch in terms of the House of Travel Triathlon Festival and also the Sea to Sky Challenge. But this is his first major international race. Took that out. And uh, Amelia Watkinson took out the girls' race. So good on you, Kiwis. Good times. Good on Indonesia. Be a good place to do a race. Good place to holiday. Bloody hot. They were. It was in Bintan, which is near Singapore. It sounded baking. I mean, it's Humid always well. going to be baking. It's yeah. going to be hot, sunny, just, yeah, difficult. Okay, conditions. so the big race coming up this weekend, guys, is we have the ITU Long Course Championships, and it's been a bit of a triathlon festival, which sounds like it's been pretty amazing. I saw some photos on Facebook, people racking their bikes and stuff like that, so it looks like it's lots of fun over there right now, but... It's a pretty good field, actually. You know, you know, for this race, it's um, we've got we've got some big hitters there. We have, and it's going to be a. So it's, uh, I'm pretty sure it's usually a four k swim, one twenty k bike, thirty k run. But I'm almost positive that they've changed it to a three k swim this time round. Now I haven't had a look at the weather forecast because I've got a guy that's heading over there, and I was looking at it last week. It's been baking hot over there in Penticton, right. so uh, you know, well into the well into the thirties. So for the Kiwis heading over there, it's going to be a bit of a um, bit of a shock to the system. So I'm pretty sure it's a three k swim this year, one twenty k bike, and thirty k run. Um, at least it is for the age group, as I assume it's the same for the pros. It does change distance. So when we look back at the historical times, they don't really mean too much. But the last couple of years. Um, last year we had Sylvain Sudry take it out from France, Jody Karnama. Um, the year before the Frenchie. The Frenchies love the long course world champs. Mm-hmm. And so it's traditionally in Europe isn't it? Uh, it's a bit all over the place really. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, all over the place. <coughs> Sylvano took it out the year before, Bertrand and uh, Bernard Billard from France the year before and the year before that and back in 2012 was Chris McCormick. Um, last few years, Jodie Karnama, Mary Beth Ellis, Camilla Peterson, uh, Melissa Halstein. So Jodie Karnama's won it a couple of times. Caroline Steffen's taken it out a couple of times. So they, they quite often get three or four really good athletes yep. and then it's it's not sort of a Kona strength field below that. But yeah, as you said, it's a good field. You've got Andy Potts seeded uh, number one. Oh. What's up? Well... <laughs> Torsten sent through the other day, uh, uh, you know, your, your, your picks for Kona. And I was thinking, it's Andy Potts' year this year in Kona. And he's racing, you know, I suppose. It's not like a half. Yeah, yeah. I you think, know, like. I think Andy Potts is going to fire up this year. But anyway, he's ra- he's seeded number one uh, on Torsten's race. think he's getting a bit old now? No, I think he's. I got to how old Andy Potts is. Andy Potts, how old do you okay. think he is? Okay, let's go. Andy let's Potts, I'm going to say 36. Okay, let's put this. Andy 30, Potts. 37. 37. 40. Yeah. He's too old. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying for the win. I'm saying for... Was it last year you had a great race or the year before? He had a great race in the last few years. Before, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He's a nice guy too, Andy is. Yeah. You know, I remember, I think we interviewed him last year. He was pretty devastated last year because he thought it was his... Yeah, he, he, he was, was devastated. Primed. He was almost crying. Yeah, it was a tough one. Uh, so Andy Potts, you've got Lionel Sanders. Uh, you'd kind of expect Lionel Sanders to fire up and just spank everybody at yeah, this. Yeah, but if it's a longer swim in comparison to a, like a half... Mm-hmm. It's the one chink in his armor, isn't it? Like, look, we look at expected swim times. Now we know Andy Potts is a rock star, but he's going to about forty nine. Sanders comes out of the water eight minutes behind him. He has improved a lot this season, so that's going to be factoring in some of his poorer swims. Yep. but he has been coming out with, you know, like the Keenlay sort of group uh, this season. So, 
I would expect him to fire up and and, and crush it. So, uh, so Lionel Sanders is in there. Josh Amberger, you know, he's certainly going to be uh, spanking it on the swim and the bike. Joe Gambles uh, saw him had a good finish recently. Silver No, he can fire up. Uh, Jeff Simons, he'll be on home soil, so he's probably going to have this as his peak event. You've also got Bert, Bertrand Biland, who, as I said, is a defending champion, a, a past champion, as is Sylvain Sudry. Uh, Mark Buckingham, he was over there. He, he finished. Uh, I think he finished third in the duathlon um, yesterday or today. Okay, who won it? Uh, we'll go through that when I get to my ITU update. Okay. Uh, so yeah, good strong field as you said. Uh, girls Matt so Liato, we haven't seen Matt Liato's name in a long time. No, no. It's not your thing of Chris Liato, maybe, his brother. Matt Liato is the commentator one. Chris yeah, Liato but, but, but is the one yeah, who Chris used to was, kill but, it in Kona. Yeah, Chris on the bike. Hmm. So on the girls' side of things, uh, Kaiser Sali, who did so well in Kona last year, Mel Halsteit, who, if she's you know not injured, can just crush it. Sarah Crowley, who's won two championship races this season. Camilla Peterson, Heather Wirtle, who we know is not going to Kona, and she's been focusing more on the, the challenge races. Then you've got more sort of the, the short course girls who've come up, Hallie Fredrickson. So, yeah, it should be um, a really great race. It's only 16 girls. There's 28, 26 guys. But, you know... I think it should be some really quality racing. Yeah, we haven't definitely. got that on the girls side of things. We haven't got that reef. Are you just going to go? Oh, well, she's just going to crush it. It's going to be a bit of a bit of a non-race. Uh, so yeah, I don't well, know. One, one race we haven't gotten here, which we probably should have talked about before, was there's a race called Alleg. You are you thirty-fifth year in, in Germany. Where well, I supposed to say that one? I don't know. Alleggau. You just go for it. Go for it, Bevan. Confidence. Algu. <laughs> That's it. Algu <laughs> try. Uh, see, I'll do the apple. But they, they they had a handicap start. It sounds like it's an epic race. For fifteen. Algal. Algar. Okay. Uh, so the girls had a fifteen minute head start, um, and you had Daniela Reef and it was Jan a two horse race basically, and Reef kept them off. She ended up taking it out, mm. and by about a minute. So she had a fifteen minute head start. Fredino came in on a. Uh, Three forty nine fifty five and Reef came in on a three oh five thirty five. Four oh five. Oh sorry, four oh five thirty five. So she just popped him, mm. but it looked like it was an epic race. Absolutely. It was German championships. For like an off road. They were on the news every night. Did you see that? Bizarre. We we, <laughs> we had this random Xterra race in Germany, I think it was, that made our main one network news. I was like, and the Kiwi guy won it. So they don't even cover. Well, they sometimes do cover the World Championships, but they must have been short on news that day. Yeah, but good strange. on them. Sam Osborne took it out. Yeah, I've never heard of Sam Osborne. He's a former winner of the House Travel Triathlon Festival. Oh, there you go. That was the Kickstarter's career, John. Um, also, what's this other German race? Uh, just another one, a non-branded race. Great to see. He's been around for a while. The, the Nat Man in Germany. 210 euros to enter. That's what we're talking about. If you want to get to some races where, you know, Entry fees are a lot lower. It looks like it gets a good field. Uh, and multi-lap, sort of 30k laps on the bike. Had a bit of a look there. So if entry fees is a big issue, there are options out there for you, in, especially in continental Europe. And uh, there's a few other races in the UK where bit more affordable to race. Okay, Ironman Wonder Sports Holding have announced that the edition of Ironman Tallinn Triathlon, the inaugural race, will take place on August 4th, 2018. The new race will take place in Estonia's capital of Tallinn, I think this is that, located in the Baltic Sea, uh, considered one of the most beautiful and most preserved medieval cities in Europe. Tallinn is a home of 445,000 people and has gained the reputation of Europe's Silicon Valley. So obviously there's a bit of money there, John. Exactly. It's awesome to go to these medieval, medieval places. We once went to this, um, where was the place? The castle where they did 
um, the movie Robin Hood Prince of Thieves and right. it's this little village that's still in the castle I start to see I can't remember the name of it when Joe walks past I'll ask her and it was awesome I think mm-hmm. Kevin Kevin from the camp Kevin and Joe oh yeah yeah. they went there on there after yep. the camp and just amazing to go back to a place literally mm-hmm. where the wall was your defence yeah, yeah and it was still preserved and they had a whole city in there it's just mind blowing to think what happened there so hopefully this is a pretty cool race happening in August next year so if you want to think about doing something that's a bit special Cass have you ever been to Estonia <laughs> No, neither. Yeah, so good on them. Okay, John's ITU update. What's happening, Jombo? So as you mentioned, people are posting things on Facebook. You know, the triathlon festival is underway in Penticton and they've had the World Duathlon Championships over the weekend and you had Benoit Nichols, Nicholas from France. So what are the distances? 10K run, 40K bike, 5K run, draft legal. Four. So I said 10K run, so he ran 30 minutes... 30.58 for his first run. Jeez, he dominated, didn't he? 106 on the bike. There was a breakaway on the bike, though, and then he uh, and then he came home with a 15.39 on the run. So where did, he, where, where did he... And he had a penalty on the run. Oh, is that what it first is? First and second place oh. uh, had penalties, so they were coming in, and uh, they hadn't racked their bikes properly, and I think first and second place both had penalties, had to serve them just before the finish line. You'd be standing there pretty nervously. He did end up having a little bit of time up his sleeve. You'd serve them before the finish line? Well, you can serve them, you know, on a multi-lap run, you can serve your penalty where you want. you just got to serve it before you get to the finish. Uh, so, yeah, for serving up your penalties is a toughie. So he took it out. Uh, he beat Emilio Martin from Spain and Mark Buckingham was in third place for Great Britain. And what he, one, one thing he was saying in the, the uh, presentation or the interview with the, the sort of TV coverage, he said, oh, I think when I get back to France, this will be a much bigger deal because, you know, duathlon's fairly big in France. Oh, that's, what, that's what you find. It's, it's certainly not on the same level as triathlon, but for you and I, duathlon is a bit of an event. How many races do you have in New Zealand? Well, not major ones. I have my winter duathlon series. That's probably the major one. Yes. It's New Zealand's <laughs> premier duathlon race. It could be. I reckon we're naming it. And uh, But over in Europe, duathlon is, is, is a bigger sport. It's not as, nowhere near as big as triathlon, but it is bigger. On the girls' side of things, we had Australia, Australia took it out. Uh, Felicity Sheedy Ryan uh, reclaimed a title she's had in the past. She ran 33-31. That's a pretty decent first run split. Ran, biked a 111 and then came home with a 118. So she beat home Margarita Garcia from Spain and Emma Pellant from Great Britain in third place. Okay, so also we've got the, the World Triathlon Series is heading to Stockholm this weekend. The Olympic distance this year, grand finale, is another two weeks away in Rottenham. Yep, so currently in the rankings, we've got Flora Duffy leading, Ashley Gentle second, Katie Zaveras third, Andrea Hewitt fourth, and Kirsten Casper fifth. On the guy's side, Mario Mola is leading the way. He should take that out fairly comfortably. Javier Gomez... Good on him, focusing on long, uh, short course racing, <laughs> is in second. Richard Murray's third, Fernando Alaza fourth, and Christian Blumenfeld in fifth. Do you see any changes in the girls? Uh, well, this is what, this is what I was going to bring up, is this, the last race is bonus points double, on double the last points, race. Is it double or is it one and a half? I'm not quite sure. It's it either double, double or one yeah. and a half. But there's also massive implications on the prize money. So if you win the ITU series, $80,000 bonus. Sweet. That's pretty significant. Mm. But if you finish second, it drops down to 55000 then thirty eight for third place. So it's dropping massively. So if you cock up that last race, <sighs> you uh, you can lose quite a bit of money quite quickly. But how many points? Because like we, we basically between the top... F- so Andrew is on 2,700. 
Flora's on three thousand nine hundred. So she's 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 won every race. She's no, not quite every race she's done, but uh, she's won almost all. So of Flora has to drop the ball. Yeah, but it's more around that sort of second and th- third, third to fifth. You might, you know, okay. the, the gaps might be smaller. But there's also big prize money at the last race. So it's thirty thousand dollars for first, twenty two for second, sixteen for third, twelve for for fourth. Uh, so. It's a significant race in terms of making sure you're peaking at the right time this season, firing up and uh, taking home the bacon. Are we seeing a bit of a better pay rate come up for Ironman athletes? Maybe this is a question of Thorsten, because it seems to be back in the old days when we used to talk about the difference between prize and ITU and, and Ironman, it seemed to be quite a big gap. Whereas actually when you talk about the prize money at, at the World Championship race, the final, which is a big pay day, we're we saying 30k for the win? Mm-hmm. Well, some of the Ironmans are having it now. Yeah, but these guys are racing. Yeah, I know they're the racing a lot. Time. So, but, in terms of but back in the old days, there was quite a significant difference between what you'd win at an ITU. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, if you took Kona out of the equation, yeah, geez. but like with the last races, we you know some of those people like look at the races from last thousand euro. Yeah. yeah. Um, but those guys, yeah, you're racing four or five times. Yeah. No, I know the volume. The mm. ITU can do a lot more, but. It seems that the gap between just prize money between ITU and Wanda or WTC, what you going to call it, IMN, seems to have got closer in the last block. Hmm. I'm not going to put my lead. I'm not yeah, going to commit I, to that. But I'm saying it seems. Yeah. Someone do some research. Let me know. Other <laughs> <laughs> we're not doing any work. <laughs> I'm not doing the work. <laughs> but but you know, because I remember back in the old days, you go, oh, ITU just makes so much money and they get to race lots. So and now it's like, well, the actual payday is pretty similar. It's just they get to race more now. Mm. You know, and and it'd be interesting to see for, for prize money what a, a well, there is a listings out there. We'll, I'll, I'll bring that up next week. I'll have a look. Challenge uh, compile prize money listings in terms of okay. who's leading, and it is basically ITU guys and a couple of the sort of seventy point three dudes in there as well. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, this weekend we have Stockholm coming up, and it's an Olympic distance race this year. So if you want to get onto triathlonlive.tv and get a bit of viewing while you're on your trainer, get into it. <laughs> Okay, uh, uh, next up on the news, <laughs> a bit of random stuff. We have, uh, the, oh, not, ra- not too random, but the final rankings or allocations for Kona are going to be out. Torsten's done his predictions. Uh, he doesn't know who's taking the slots or who's not, but he knows who is in the position if they want to take them up. So Marino has enough points. Yeah, that's interesting. Will he take it? God, I hope he doesn't. I hope he, I why, just, why not? I just want to see him go off and you know, go races. crush other races. Um, yeah, you know, sim- similar to, to Cam Brown, you know, you're in the, the point? you're in the the twilight of your career. Go and crush it and make um, make your money, make your money and, and win some more titles. So then, would Chris McDonald take it? Because Chris McDonald was number eleven on this list here, mm, quite possibly. Would a Nicolanis? He's, he's normally there anyway. So there's, there's ten more slots to go. So it kind of depends how it rolls down. But the guys, so I think you got Marino, you got Michael Weiss who raced recently. Harry Wilchers managed to get himself in there. Cameron Worth, the the SmackDown athlete from Australia who just kills it on the bike, Marcus Frakbar, Guilo Malanari, Denny Chevron, Michael Fox, Kato Tahara and Carlos Lopez have the 10 spots and then if it rolls it'll go to Chris McDonald, Nico Lanos and Frederick Cronenberg. Joycey on the girls side of things. Nico Lanos brings something to the race but doesn't he? I know he's old. Mm, not anymore. Okay how old do you think now John? Nico Lanos. Okay let's go let's go. I'm going to say he's... So far, you've been pretty poor today, so let's see how you go. I'm going to say he's probably 40 as well. Nico Lanos. 39, 40. No, 40, you nailed it. 
Yep. Yep. He's 40. Coming home strong. So Joycey yep. on the girls' side of things. Kirsten Moller, Jocelyn McCauley. Good to see her getting a spot and having to probably sweat it out a little bit. Tina Holst, um, Meredith Kessler. She won't be taking her slot, you would assume, given she's pregnant. Uh, Hayley Chura, Nikki Bartlett, Janine Cologne. And then if it rolls, it'll go to Eva Wooty and Daniela Mack. There we go. So that's what's happening in the points. So also now, Chrissy's book. Oh. Yeah, so from here on in, all the points will be starting to crew for next year. So Chrissy's book, new book is coming out. And this book, the first book, which was, which was the first book called, John? Um, I was pulling it up right now. Well, I can't remember. It was called, the first book was but called. This one is called To the Finish Line, A World Champion. With a life without limits. Okay. Yep. A World Champion Triathlete's Guide to Your Perfect Race. So she is doing a little bit of a tour in the UK. Go and check out try247.com um, if you want to see where she's heading. And this book is, is obviously focused on a triathlete trying to do a good race. So it's not, you know, the first book was very much Chrissy's story. This is very much more of a kind of training guide. And I had a quick talk to her about it when we were over in wrote and she was saying she's pretty excited about the book. She's put a lot of work into it. And if you want to learn from somebody who knows your stuff, I imagine Chrissy Wallen is a good person to listen to. So check that out. Uh, also, Jonbo coming up in randomness of the news. We've got that basically, we got a great article sent through from triathlonworld.com. And I was talking about how different races make your experience to qualifying to Kona a little bit different. And they did a comparison between Ironman, was it Hamburg and Frankfurt? Yeah. And uh, pretty fascinating stuff, isn't it? Well, it is, but you've got to factor in that in Frankfurt, you know, there's 80 qualifying slots and in Hamburg there's only 30, about uh, 40. What really highlights, what the, uh, there's massive discrepancies in the age groups where there's few slots. So we're talking most of the female slots, especially the, the younger and older slots, and, and likewise the very old guys and the, the very young guys when you look at the more the, the the big groups so you say your men's 40 to 44 you look at frankfurt you had to go 927 we've got to remember these courses are different and the times are, are a bit different i think the pros went about 15 minutes quicker when they were in um, Frankfurt, but again, the quality of the field is different. So in terms of age groupers, you know, the men 40 to 44, you had to do 927 in Frankfurt, 928 in um, Hamburg. Hamburg. Uh, pretty close as well on the 45 to 49, 945 versus 943. Men's 50 to 54, pretty similar, 939 versus 945. When you go and then look at some of the females' times. Fascinating. Look at number 30. So 34. So like what's really interesting, so if you look at number age 30 to 34, in Frankfurt they had to do 1007, Hamburg they had to do 9.5, mm. but then vice versa on the upper way, so 35 to 39, they had to do 940 in Frankfurt, and then 1013 in Hamburg. And this, this this is where you get those outliers. When you go to Hamburg, and there's you know a lot of those age groups for the females, um, there probably only one slot, maybe two. Um, it just takes one good person, and it just blows everybody out of the water, and your kind of history. So yeah, it's a, I'm really liking some of the articles you see on triathlonworld.com. So if you're interested in that, check it out. If you do want to delve deeper into all the different races around the world and what it takes to qualify. Good old Russell Coach Cox, Cox. He, uh, coachcox.co.uk. He has uh, analyzes most of the races in terms of who's qualifying and, and, and all the different age groups. But I think what always comes out of these things for me is if you're in one of the more popular age groups, especially the guys, bigger age groups, there's more certainty if you go to the championship races where you know there's going to be, you know, 
10 slots or whatever rather than going to one of the races where there might be two or three and you get two good guys and it just wipes you out whereas this is a bit more consistency when you go to those uh, championship races where there's a lot more slots and, and if you are really thinking about how do you you know you've got unlimited resources and you are thinking about where's the best chance coach cox he goes he geeks out big time on this stuff so you can check that out as well okay jumbo sponsor Athlinks.com. Yes, is the app out? The app is. I had a, I had a look through the app. I'm going to get uh, Troy on to talk about that because it's it, the, the app that I was looking at is more around live tracking at races, but I think it's the races that are done by Chrono Track, which is okay. a, um, a timing company. But one thing that I've used, I use Athlinks for, actually this morning, Bevan. Here we go. Is we were discussing the Philinator and I and Tyron when we were out running last night. Discussing a certain individual, and I said, "Oh, that person's." You know, name names. I'm not going to name names. I said, "They, <laughs> Were you they, they, a hard they time or a good no." Time? I was, I was um, backing them, backing them up, saying they did this really good time at this particular race. And the Philinator said, "No, oh. didn't go that fast." <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, I think he did." And uh, well, the cool thing with athletes now. The, with the new website, is you just put in the name up the top, and you got to make sure you can either be searching under profiles or unclaimed and so if they're on athletes it'll be under profiles no yeah <laughs> i love that no. <laughs> and uh and so if they're on there obviously they're going to have all their results but if they're not on there it'll have all their unclaimed uh, unclaimed results for those people and i just i said it was at a particular event and i said they ran about this quick and phil said no, no. and so this morning just all i'd have to do is just pop on there if he'd been on athletes it would have found it anyway. It happened that he was. I wouldn't have had a clue what year this event was. I knew which race it was. But you can just go on there, boom, know the distance, and scroll down, and you can find the time exactly straight away and settle any of your arguments. Not arguments, but discussions. So it's your one-stop shop for checking out uh, other people's times that you're not quite sure of. And I also thought, you know, couple of local athletes so I thought I, I plugged in Fiona Crombie who oh yeah, you, um, yeah she's how's she going because she got a bit injured for a while yeah she's sort of still plugging away great and, uh, and I plugged in um, Brent 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 um, Tingay Tinga and, and they're not on Athlinks but it's got all their results listed on there and, yeah that's and, what's cool isn't it and, so and that's what's cool because once you join you don't have to go searching all your races it finds it for you exactly and if even if they're not on there so when you search you can look under events profiles or unclaimed results and if you think if they don't come up under profiles it means they're not on there but a lot of their results if their events are on there you'll be able to still scroll through and find uh, find their times mm. so if you're ever unsure of how quick somebody you think is or was go and check it out on athlinks.com if you want to back a brother and prove your mate wrong <laughs> no uh, athlinks.com guys we're going to talk about this week's discussion so last before we do that though Bevan what's up we need to stop because I need a wee wee okay you have a wee wee that was a wee wee it was wee wee speaking of wee wees the guy on speaking of wee wees Icarus if you haven't seen oh, that documentary brilliant. he needs to work on his hydration status I was looking at his wee samples and they were pretty yellow yeah, he wasn't drinking enough, was he? he was not. I love that you're really analysing his. Yeah. his <laughs> That's what came out of that documentary yeah, that for me. Hydration status. <laughs> most important thing. Okay, John Bo. Last week's discussion, we were talking around what does your club do to basically we're kind of wondering what can clubs do to keep people involved and members and maybe even grow their membership because it seems to be a bit of a fading thing in our sport. It's a bit of a concern. Oh, it depends. When you say fading thing, it. I think it is Depends in some areas. Are. Some areas do it well. Some areas don't do it well. Some countries do it well. 
big cities, small cities, it varies a lot. But what let's focus on the positive things. What can clubs do to, to entice you to, to, to join so or stay with them? I remember years ago I owned a massage therapy clinic mm-hmm. and uh, we had a Ukrainian guy come over and work for us. He was yeah, he, And he loved triathlon. This was when I was doing the sport. And uh, he was quite an interesting character because they just took everything so literally. Mm-hmm. So like in my emails, I would say, hey, you. That's it. And he thought I was saying, hey, you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So he wrote to me saying, can you please not say, hey, you. Yeah. So anyway, um, but he was really disappointed in that triathlon scene because yes. in the Ukraine, you did a race, there was a meal, there was it was this big kind of weekend event mm-hmm. and, uh, and it cost like $10 to do. And mm-hmm. he was like, you come over here and A, there weren't many races and B, what did you get for your entry fee? Just mm-hmm. based on his experience of what mm. you had in Ukraine. Absolutely. So we want to know what your clubs are doing to help you want to stay in their club. John Mark Funkster Brooks can't answer that. Sadly, I left my club this year as being a member for over mm. 10 years. I didn't feel they were catering for more advanced athletes, especially one doing Ironman, as everything was geared towards short course. Now I pretty much train on my own. Just a moody bastard, I guess. Well, interesting then. So... Is there anything in the discussion afterwards that really helps? No. Edwin Wong said the same thing. I left the cover after being over 12 years since it started. Same issue. They simply don't cater for more advanced athletes, whether short or long distance. Number of active members have shrunk to only around uh, only about 10, while other clubs have been around for less than six years have grown six to seven or five to six on that size. You're right about these bigger clubs. They have more focus on long course rather than short course, which is driven by local races, national federations, and kids coaching. Ironically, the coaches who started the club left the coach international to coach the national squad himself and hired some Joe Blow who just got his coaching certification. So the club members he failed basically to help them so mm. Mark Lisby I love being a member of the club Lisburn Triathlon Club in Northern Ireland the club is relatively new uh, on the go from September 2012 the club has a good ethos and there is a wide range of abilities however everyone has time for each other and value the individual achievements which can go which can range from winning a race qualifying as an age grouper Ironman to first try the reasons I want to be a club are as follows I like the structured training that the club offers and believe this has really helped me to improve um, help me to improve is this structure in place which encourages you to push yourself and turn up regularly it allows you to know what progress you're making rather than leaving it to race day seeing other members push their limits can inspire you to push yourself on race day it is great to have a focal point um, prior to the race as you can all meet up with each other and after the race is a great way of sharing the experiences of what is a solitary sport. In 2016, a group from the club all entered Diamond in Frankfurt, putting in the long miles, which made it much easier with the club rides and early swims on what can be called the Frankfurt train. Plus, we have really nice fluoro kit. Nice, Ian Johnson's got, uh, we get exclusive lake swimming access twice a week from May through to October for coach pool sessions. That's pretty good deal. Yeah, it is pretty good, isn't it? Run coach session, winter turbo sessions, six race winter 10k run series, four race winter duathlon series, and one member only half iron race. Plus we run four open triathlons, a duathlon and a junior triathlon, 600 plus members. You can give you, Ian, Great work, great club. What's the club? <laughs> 600 <laughs> members, that's a great yeah, club. Yeah, it must be somewhere. Well, I'll find out where Ian lives. I'll Facebook stalk him. <laughs> uh, Christine McKinlay, the grinder. I'm going to book in to see her. I think I'll do that when I get oh, home Oh, you talk about this for I weeks. I know, I know. 
he doesn't have his, his Facebook private, John. I don't know where he lives. Uh, I don't do any of our club try sessions, although I am a member as I feel I owe something to the sport. I think the club needs to remember to retain their season triathletes, not just focus on the juniors and beginners. Our tri club, Canterbury, Yes. is, uh, I think, serving that need, need by resurrecting a few of our local races as well as a couple of others. I wonder who's doing that. Uh, <laughs> has really helped to grow and maintain our membership, but just my opinion, of course. Steve Chamberlain Ward's got uh, having the best uh, beginner program in Melbourne, catering to intermediate and advanced with a variety of coach sessions each week and across the year. The best people who are very inclusive and welcoming to anyone regardless of their ability. Lots of social functions to bring people together, celebrate achievements for all members. Matthew Jackman, the annual novice program bringing new blood into the club and there is nothing better than watching a first-timer get to their first finish, plus good, cheap, quality sessions. Hell Dolphin's got, it's got to have a decent kit to wear, <laughs> good quality and nice design. I was a member of a running club that had a rather dismal name and logo that m- it mattered to me whether it was a good look or not. Finn Zweiger, a triathlon club in many ways, is a contradiction of terms as it's such an individual sport, especially long course, because people are pretty... Um, but people join partly as a sense of belonging to make sure there is a cl- so make sure there is a club kit so you can be long while training and racing. Secondly, arrange some benefits for club members such as free goodies from sponsors, discounts at um, shops and race entries, access to pool. Uh, use some sponsor and club money to buy bike cases uh, free to use for members to go to races. Good idea. Uh, the same can be done for dis- a disc wheel or two. Lastly, but there may just be over the top Dubai. Make sure you're. Tri Club has its very own iPhone app. Oh, that costs a lot of money, but yes. apps aren't cheap. We use uh, with our one. We've just started using one called Mind Body, which I think is uh, I think a lot oh, of gyms yeah. use that. Yeah, yeah. And that's a great way. Um, it, it, it seems that way. I've only just started using. What does it that. do, but? Well, then you can have all your sessions uh, in an app with locations, and you can just constantly be adding things in there, and uh, people will be getting. Does it cost alerts. you much? Apparently, it's making mint the business. Oh, I bet it is. Yeah, it's yeah. costing. It's costing. A, a, I think it's a hundred bucks US a month or something like yeah. that. Yep. Yeah. So, you have uh, a decent sized club. <coughs> Sharon Morgan's got. We wish we had a triathlon club in Fort uh, William. A few of us get together to swim, and we have a trainer for that. But the rest of it, we have to do on our own. Sam Brown, don't allow coaches to coach within the club and exclude others. Oh, there you go. Personal training. Uh, Paul Moore's got personal uh, training sessions for club members and club races to bring the club together and engender team spirit. Last one, Sharon Morgan. Wish we had a triathlon club. Just the really f- one. Oh, you did that one? Yeah. Sorry, I was really listening closely. Yeah, obviously. Mark Gillespie <laughs> just sent through a photo and it's got his um, the Fleur Army front, the centre of epic, some other race, but basically that's his team. So what well on Mark Gillespie. John, your thoughts? Um, well, I had a good thought through, and I'm not stealing it. Somebody uh, you and I both know, actually, oh. um, was sort of saying... Do name names? No, because I don't want to... Um, she would have posted if she'd wanted me to name yeah, names, I enough. think. Yeah. Um, but she was suggesting, you know, in our local sense here, and this is, uh, is that you've got so many coaches now coaching and have got their own coaching businesses, they don't necessarily include club sessions and people's personal programs. And then people who are paying for someone for a personal program are going, well, why am I going to go do a club session when I've been told I should be doing this, this and this? Mm. And so I think there's a real responsibility for clubs to actually engage with the coaches, uh, with um, coaches and clubs to both engage with each other to make those sessions because there's such a big value in group sessions you know that because you've got all your group things but you've got to have enough flexibility in there that it's appropriate and 
the benefits outweigh the costs because you know you have this textbook program that you should in theory be following to peak for an Ironman race and then if you go and do a club session it might not be exactly the right workout mm-hmm. for you but if you can get enough benefits out of that through social engagement, having fun, forcing you to make sure you're doing the session or pushing you, then that might outweigh the slight detrimental cost of doing it. So I think that's probably it was it was the best point that I had made was uh, get it for us locally is having the coaches buy into what the clubs are doing. Uh, I but would I say, that, but if you're going to do like if a club's going to put on sessions, if let's say you do a track session on a Tuesday. Hmm. You know, like I know it might not be specific to what a coach is doing, but you could almost say, "Here's the next twelve track sessions we're going to do," and a coach could see if they could fit in. Absolutely, because the objective of a track session is generally pretty similar. Or you can have two or three workouts going at once. We can have right the short course workout, yeah, mid, uh, half long, Ironman workout, long course workout. Yeah, you can totally do that. We do that with our runners. We do track sessions, and we have like three or four different groups all going at the same time. I do think there's an obligation from for athletes that they should be a member of. Association, so it differs a lot in in New Zealand. You need to be a member of a club, and then you become a member, and then become triathlon a member of Triathlon New Zealand. It's a bit different elsewhere in the world, where you might have in one city there might be five or six different clubs. But I do think that as athletes, we all have an obligation that you need to be a member of your national federation. A lot of countries that's mandatory in America. I think Australia you need to have a triathlon license, and UK, New Zealand is very odd. You can just go and do a triathlon, and not have any input into the sport as a race organizer. And and also as a participant, and I think that really needs to change. So if you are in a place that doesn't, uh, you are not required to be a member of a club or the National Federation, I would urge you because that's what ultimately helps the sport and ensures there's still races that happen. Yeah, you still pay your entry fee, but it just helps the grassroots development, and uh, I think it's an obligation. So one thing I think that clubs, (coughs) one of the major jobs of a club should be is social engagement. Mm. And, And... because, you know, it's one of the things that's really common. Like, post-earthquake Christ, in Christchurch, the, the, the fear of depression became a big problem in Christchurch because lots of people went through a lot of harsh change that wasn't change they necessarily desired. And so the city, there was, this, you know, this kind of idea of we need to be, as a community, communicating to people around how to be looking after themselves. And there's these big campaigns. It's funny, there's still, even you ride down the street now, there's still street signs, which mm-hmm. are literally just reminding you of these, you know, go for a walk, you know, this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And one of the biggest things is to keep us mentally healthy is social engagement. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's one of the most important things in life. And the irony is, is we live in a time where people are so much more time poor. You know, and this is just an everyday person. And so the, one of the things that gets neglected is good social engagement. Or the way we socially engage is through alcohol or worse things. So, you know, like, it was interesting. I was actually speaking to a girl at the gym the other day, this morning, and uh, she wrote me an email the other night. She knows I don't drink. And she said, look, um, how do you not drink in social situations? Because she's trying to pull back on her drinking, but she finds she has to drink more. And, um, you know, and that's the kind of, to be social, she has to get drunk. Mm. And, and she's finding that's really working against her in life. And to me, one of the most important things to have in life is healthy ways to socialize. And that's one of the real values of sport. Mm. You know, sport is one of those things in your life where you're doing something that's pretty empowering for you. Um, everyone's trying to grow. And if you can have a really fun social environment around that, then it becomes so much more than what sport is about. And let's be honest, I'm in athletes. We sometimes, we are the guys who don't hang around for coffee often. You know, mm-hmm. we, we do our training and bugger off. But to me, that actually hurts the athlete. I think that, I know we're busy, but actually the social engagement of the sport is a really important part of what's going to keep you healthy 
not just as an athlete. And so as a club, I always think it's your job to not just design great sessions. Like with our club, with, with my business, one thing we really work with our coaches is how do we create friendships? Mm-hmm. Like our job is to create friendships. And because we know, and, and we, we our demographic is the beginner exerciser. So we are trying to target people who have never exercised in their life. And we build them. So we have got an advanced group as well. But, you know, for the beginner people, it's like if we can create friendships, they're going to stay in exercise forever. Mm. And then exercise is going to be that really powerful way to socially engage. And so I think one way that, one thing that clubs need to be conscious of is that we're not just there to help athletes be better athletes. We're there to help them be healthier people. And so then when you are designing sessions, it's what would you do about a session that would make it more socially engaging? Mm. You know, and there's, there's heaps of little little tricks you do that just, you know, like I always think, how do we manipulate our world to help our people create better friendships? Mm-hmm. And there's, there's just little things that we train our coaches and we always brainstorm with our coaches. What are you doing to help them do this? And, we know that you, you see the people you go on our runners Facebook pages and now most of their friends are other runners. So we've in their life they have this activity which keeps them healthy, but also lets them deal with the shit of life in a really healthy way. And so to me, one way to and, and while I see that as a social responsibility of our business, it's also a really good business strategy because mm. when people make friendships in your world, they're going to stay in your world. Mm. You know what I mean? Because you don't want to miss your session because your mate's going to be there. Exactly. And so it makes your, your community a more bigger community because that's how they engage in their life. And so for me, that's you know one of the strategies that we use. We use lots of strategies, but one of the strategies we really feel is really important. So if you are someone who's in a club, you know, what is your club doing to do create social engagement and what could they do even more to create social engagement in every aspect of what they do? So that's my two There you go. Um, Jombo, this week's discussion, we've got the 70.3 World Champs coming up on the 9th and 10th of September mm-hmm. and we were just kind of thinking, who's going to take them out? It's going to be pretty interesting racing. Rather than just doing it the week before, we'll do it now so we can actually discuss it before the race uh, kicks off. So we want to know your picks on both the males and females. And why. Maybe, you know, rather than just putting your names, maybe just a bit of exp- explanation why and, uh, and if you've got any dark horses that you think are going to smoke it. Um, you'll be able to check out the fields... Hmm, wonder where we can do that. I'm sure they'll have it on ironman.com. Yeah, surely. Mm. Surely, John. Surely. surely. <laughs> okay, let's put some music on. Coaches, Coaches Corner. Corner. Thorsten did a marathon back in 2007. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, 10 years to answer a question. Yeah, some things, wow. good things take time. It's like I didn't actually see it was 2007 just then. I was looking for the date. I was like, 2007? It was literally probably answered September before. 2007. I was doing a bit of a purge the other day. But, ah, Dawson, what did he write about there? I wonder how he went. Dawson, let us know. It's 2007. So this question was really around doing a, a standalone marathon and how that can mid kind of springs because they're heading into your peak is it a good good idea to do that as sort of a, a, a preparation so i'll ask the questions you answer them okay so but, but firstly so he was planning on doing a spring marathon uh, as culminating his winter running and also then preparing for an iron man in august okay so the first point john wants to think about is when is the best time to run the marathon in relation to your iron man so let's Th- these say these are actually questions from torsten yeah okay so yep so when is the best time so i think torsten back, back in <laughs> 10 years ago 
I think you've had it pretty much bang on because uh, you want them, if, if you've been running all the way through winter, which I think is a fantastic idea, you want to have that positioned far enough out so you know you've got sort of 16 to 20 weeks to actually prepare for your Ironman race. So I think bang on doing a spring marathon for an August, September, maybe even possibly late July race is, uh, is pretty much bang on. In terms of whether where you would position a marathon in your Ironman build up within that sort of 16 weeks I'd say not necessarily a great idea to be running a marathon as part of your build up in terms of going full noise maximum effort. Um, but doing a good solid hard run sort of three to three and a half hours around about four to five weeks out is not a terrible idea. So when you say hard, what do you mean? Like uh, what kind of at, training zone? At your, so for example, I tried to run a marathon and, and I had a little niggle yeah, uh, at my pace uh, race. Okay, so it's, so it's marathon, Ironman marathon Iron pace. Ironman marathon pace, okay. which for me is, is moving along at a reasonable pace. It's not for, hard. For, for a mid-packer to... To, um, this is best case scenario. Yep. Um, so, for example, I also had a guy that I coach, and he had, he did a marathon a few weeks ago, and he's doing Kona, um, and he did it probably the next gear up, sort of quicker than Ironman pace, but not certainly. And yeah. that, that was probably, I'm going to say, maybe it was about eight to nine weeks out from the race. Okay. So, doing a full-on marathon in your Ironman build-up at race maximum pace is probably not a good idea. Doing a three to three and a half hour run, sort of four to six weeks out, I think is a good idea. Okay, and for some people that will be a marathon. Um, how to best maximise the benefits of running a full a marathon for the Ironman? I think what this is going to do is going to give you a really good indication. If you can do a really good marathon, is what you are capable of doing on Ironman race day, rather than... Um, just sort of guessing off your 5k time, 10k time, what you can actually do for a marathon, uh, for, for an Ironman marathon, actually going out there and having a line in the sand saying, I know I can run four hours for a, for a fresh marathon, in which case I'd like to think I should be able to run sub 4.30 uh, for an, an Ironman race. So what you go and do, do your winter of running, do your marathon, Hopefully have a really good day. The Jack Daniels formula, do you, do you use that much? The VDOT, yeah, VDOT, I use it a lot, yeah. Great way for predicting what you are capable of doing. Have a look at what you can do for, say, 5 and 10K um, with a really good 5 and 10K. Yeah, it's a bit hard if it's... Go and do your marathon, see how that kind of fits, whether you actually met your marathon potential and use that as sort of a platform to, to setting a realistic target for, uh, for what you think you can do for a marathon. Just on regards to the general, and I know this is, a, but for you, you know, there is a VDOT, but like if we think about in comparison to a, what's the general percentage gain from an, like a fast marathon to an Ironman? Well, I'd say for, for the, the top end guys, you're probably looking at around about 20 minutes or so. Okay, but percentage-wise, so you'd say maybe if... I don't know, the percentage is off the top of my head, but, I'd, but then I'd say that would slide down to probably about 30 minutes for a more sort of middle of the packer. So yeah. if you've done a, you know, look at what your marathon time is, go, sweet, done that, check it out with VDOT and see if it actually matches up to what you can do for short course. And if you're going, yep, that's about bang on, I would say you'd be targeting about 30 minutes quicker as, as sort of a base number. Then you go and do your training, see how you handle that and look at your half marathon, half Ironman times and then you get a much clearer idea. Some people have just got this bizarre, some bizarre times that they think they can run a marathon in an Ironman when they're going for their first one, basing it off um, just 
bizarre numbers. So this will just give you some confidence on what you can actually and, do. And the thing you've got to remember when you look at all these formulas is you've had to have ran a good marathon. Yes. You know what I mean? Like not just run a marathon. Yeah, not just run one. a marathon or blowing up in a marathon. It's when you've kind of known you've really smashed a good marathon, mm. that's going to give you a better comparison. Because you might have had terrible marathons and then you're running something similar in Ironman. It's like, mm. well, you haven't actually performed in a, in a marathon. So. And that's where the VDOC, you know, once you've got a really couple of really good run performances um, under your belt, then you can use the VDOC to predict your other scores. Okay, what should be the longest run uh, for, is there a kind of a cap for an Ironman? I generally say running over three and a half hours, even if your Ironman time is going to be longer than that, which for a lot of people it is, I'd say the majority of the field is, is longer than three and a half hours, then the cost is quite often not worth the benefit in terms of the risk of getting injured. So I kind of get the feeling that if you're going longer than three and a half hours, you're better off making it an endurance day and going out for a big hike than actually trying to pound the pavement for three and a half hours. So for most athletes I coach, three to three and a half hours is pretty much the maximum I'll be getting Even if they're do. really slow? Yep. Yeah. If if they're if they're really slow, then it might be a case of more going out for a, a, a five hour hike, f- yeah. fairly strenuous hike. Um, but just pounding the pavements for that long, it's just it's all every, training's all about just weighing up the risk versus the benefit. Okay. How many, How much or if any faster runs make sense? Now that's going to depend a lot on your athletic makeup. So if I use myself as an example, leading into road wasn't getting much racing done and it also yeah that's another point is it depends on where your race falls and if you're going to get any lead up races so in terms of doing faster runs for most people probably don't need to do too much of it providing you've got some racing in there if you haven't got any racing in there you need to get that deep fatigue from your training in which case doing some hard 5 and 10k runs is going to be really really important what about so, like track sessions for an Ironman you've not needed um I think the benefit versus the cost during the Ironman build-up phase is not usually okay, worth it. Yep. So if you're an advanced athlete, yes, probably. Um, but for the middle to back of the packers, you're better off focusing on sort of strength and endurance rather than trying to get speed. And race pace work. And race pace work. Yeah. But also, as I said, making sure if you, have, if you haven't got any races in there, you need to be doing some hard runs where you, you, know, you finish that run and you're sore for a couple of days. And you, you really need that in your training. And it's one of the downfalls of most iron athletes is this kind of just being out the door is the goal. Mm. And you've got to have objectives there. Eh? So you've got to think, you know, when you finish an Ironman race, your quads are usually the thing that's really shot to pieces. And to get that deep quad fatigue, you need to be doing some hard running. Mm. But again, it's all that balancing act. Yes, hard running's fantastic, but not at the cost of getting injured. Uh, what's the best approach to the race? As I would approach a standalone marathon... Or what does I approach as a marathon and then build up to an Ironman? Um, so I think the main thing he was trying to get across here is if you're going to do that spring marathon, are you better off just sort of running at an Ironman pace to try to get some heart rate data and stuff? Or are you better off running Smash it and spanking it? You're much better off Smack it. going out there and spanking it and uh, doing plenty of lead-up races. Again, if you did a half marathon and you felt you really nailed that, you'd be able to use the VDOT to give you a good indication of what is possible in terms of your upper limit for a um, for a race. Definitely with a marathon, you don't want to be too aggressive in that first 10 to 15 Ks and you can build into it and still uh, pull back what you may have lost if you start a little bit easier. But definitely, spring marathon, you want to be spanking it and going as hard as you can. Okay, what guidelines should you give to swimming and biking during the time that you're training for a marathon? Uh, so if you're in your off-season, I'd be saying one to two swims per week and one to two rides 
pretty unstructured, just general conditioning work, help boost your overall fitness and also just keep you in the game for those other sports, plus keeping in plenty of core and flexibility. So just a summary? Uh, if you're doing winter focus and running for a lot of people, it's going to be great. It's going to mean there's going to, there is actually going to be races on for a lot of you guys. So you've got something to keep yourself focused. The weather's not so much of a factor. Exactly. Um, you can then culminate with a peak race with a half marathon or a marathon in springtime. And for most of you guys that are doing mid to late season races, that leaves you enough time to do a good Ironman build-up. So all the best with that race 10 years ago, Torsten. <laughs> well, the other thing is as well, as you come off that marathon block, you, mar you run ready. Yes. And really it's just about consistency of training leading up there, isn't it? You know, you're not going to have to really do much of a build if you can just maintain consistency of a good base level leading up to your Ironman. Because a lot of people go through that Ironman, they're chasing the training, they're yeah. especially with their running, um, they're chasing it. And, and if you can go into that block, you st you've still got to do the training, but you're not going, oh man, I haven't got many long runs in, under my belt. You've got to, as Bevan said, you've got to maintain. Yeah, okay, Tom Davis sent through another question. He's got, what is the optimum amount of time spent in threshold train intensity for running and cycling? I come from a background of weightlifting and have read plenty of research suggesting that three sets of eight to 12 reps is the key to developing muscular growth. Uh, fewer sets provides too little stimulus. Doing more provides more impetuous, what is it? Yeah. Impetus. Impetus for growth. But benefits are so marginal as to be offset by the risk of injury and overtraining. I was wondering if there is a similar optimal amount of time spent intensity for endurance training. From what I read, it seems that two sets of 20 minutes at sweet spot power is a st uh, steward for bike training, suggesting that 40 minutes is the key minimum amount of intensity work for a good cycling workout. Is this correct? And are there, is there a similar target for running? What, at what point does doing more longer intervals cross over into wasted time? And does this vary between target race distances? I apologize for my waffling email. I, at the time, I'm a starved medical student who cannot train nearly as much as I'd like, so I'm very keen to ensure that I'm getting the most out of my training sessions. That's you, Tom. Can, you can get a million different answers for this question. Yeah, it really is, isn't <laughs> All it? Over it's the so place. individualized, isn't it? Because you're going to have lots of people. The, the, I think there was some guy who went sub nine recently who d was doing, you know, seven hours training a week. And yep. you're going to get these guys that are saying, you know, do the, the Tabata style intervals where you sort of, you know, very short bursts yeah, on 20 and 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off. Mm. But by and large, um, a lot of it's going to depend on your. A, your physical makeup and also your mental makeup, um, but also how much time you've got available for training. So in your situation, um, it's, it's really hard to answer that. But I'd say for, for the average athlete, you know, that's going to be training, say, between 10 and 15 hours um, a week, when it becomes to, it's quite different with your bike training and your run training when you are in your Ironman build-up. If this was an off-season discussion, it would be a completely different uh, kettle of fish in terms of how much time to spend at FTP. But I would say if you're in your race build-up um, phase, so say 16 weeks to, towards an Ironman race, then you'd probably be looking at maybe doing one FTP sort of harder session per week at a certain time during that um, build-up, and you're right to say around about sort of 30 to 40 minutes um, at FTP would be right, splitting that into intervals. And you'd have to progressively build that up. So you might start with, you know, doing some five-minute intervals. So you might do six to eight times five minutes, and you might build that up to doing a couple of 20-minute um, FTP efforts. Now, if you're a cyclist, it's going to be completely different because you'll be able to sustain, you know, two or three high-intensity sessions per week. But when you're going through an Ironman build-up and you're going to have a hard run in there, maybe um, some endurance work, you're probably only going to have time for one sort of high-intensity workout 
at a certain stage of that build up and yes 30 to 40 minutes duration at FTP would be around about right um, and when it comes to the running side of things again that probably comes back to that discussion we've just had around Torsten's um, questions it's probably going to be a bit more sporadic in terms of doing harder runs it's going to depend if you're doing any racing um, but in terms of the duration at your sort of running threshold uh, Again, it'd be a little bit shorter with your running just because of the amount of time it's going to take you to recover. So doing you know, 2 by 20 minutes FTP riding, if you put that into running perspective and you were going to do, say, 2 by 5 k that's going to take a lot more time to recover than, uh, than what it does on the cycling. So my advice would be, um, in your race build-up phase, would be just to look at one quality session per week and doing 20 to 30 minutes of duration rather than, say, 30 to 40 minutes that you'd do on the bike and break that into reps so yeah that's a very generalized answer and you'd have to main thing is is to periodize your build-up so if you're in your Ironman build-up that 20 to 30 minutes initially might be more strength based doing some hill reps in the middle sort of phase then it might be a bit more interval based and a bit of harder work and then in the final sort of phase it would be a bit more sort of race pace training and one really important thing that this reinforces is the idea of keeping a record of what your your training diary. Now, admittedly, I'm a hypocrite here because I never really did. But the thing your training di diary can teach you is what works with you. Mm -hmm. And as John said, we are opening up a can of worms with this answer because there are different philosophies. But also what works for different people does vary slightly. Mm. Now, we have these kind of broad guidelines as coaches that we look at how to help people grow but some people just respond to training in different ways and better and so over time <clears throat> you know we go back to the idea of an athletic age the benefit of an athletic age should be that you understand yourself better to perform better consistently and so you know like John going for rote I'm sure you kind of knew okay this is how my body responds to these sessions so these are mm. when I'm going to plan these sessions in and that's because your athletic age is like 150 so, <laughs> so, but really so as a part of your athletic journey it, it is a really good habit just to keep those training logs so I remember talking to Cam Brown about it and he just saying you know I'd go back and I review okay five years ago I was doing this and that I responded really well to that and I've, that's fallen away so I can bring that back in and you know again there is there is science to these answers but there is also experience that can teach you a lot so and, and the mental side of it is, is really important as well as you said you know if you've got if you're an ex-swimmer um, and you're coming into triathlon you've probably got the ability and in, in your case you know doing weightlifting you probably know how to push yourself really hard to the limit yeah whereas if say you're an older athlete that's just coming to triathlon with with no athletic history and you probably find this with a lot of your newer runners is they don't actually know how to push themselves yeah. really really hard and so that's where doing shorter intervals you know one to three minutes yeah, it might not necessarily help your physiology well it may do but it may not help it massively for your iron man but it just learns you to go down that path of learning how to really push yourself extremely hard and that application can then be applied when you're getting to the latter part of a run when you've got to just suck it up and just be able to push yourself and it's a good point because like with my like the, basically with our product we try to take people from doing nothing to do a half marathon in kind of like a year and we really don't introduce intensity for someone who's a total new person we don't in, in, probably three or four months or two into it mm. so we've, we've developed them so they can run 5k's comfortably then we build them up to 10 but even in that 10 we added one intensity session which basically the first month of it's just try to go slightly faster mm. and then the second month we start to drive them so then we will push them but really it's probably four months before they're really pushing hard and then from there we just beat the shit out of them <laughs> <laughs> good old coaching philosophy uh, beat the shit out of them <laughs> okay let's put some music on
website of the week. week. And we'll do app of the week at the same time. Okay. Okay. So there we go. We've got website and app. And, and good old cool hand chance. Bob, I haven't heard from him in a while. Mm-hmm. But he sent us an email. Just saying he's a huge fan of GNC on YouTube. And it's Global Cycling Network. And they now have a triathlon channel. Or is it just that the triathlon? Oh, no. Global no, no, Triathlon G- Network. G- now it's GTN. Okay, there you go. So a sister channel to the Global oh. Cycling Network, which is great. Um, you, YouTube channel. It has lots of tips, lots of bike maintenance sort of um, sort of clips and then they basically spend a lot of time uh, previewing races, reviewing races, do a bit of entertainment show, so a really good mix of knowledge and entertainment and now they've set up their sister channel, the Global Triathlon Network and they're going to be going down a similar theme, so for example they've got TT Bikes versus Road Bikes, got a little clip on that, they've got an Alistair Brownlee interval, interval, nine essential skills for the triathletes should master, they've got four different swim workouts and uh, and they'll just be starting to build up their library, so check it out, Global Triathlon Network. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Okay John, the other thing we've got is App of the Week, and it's really quite cool Nick Pollock sent it through, but Pocock. Um, Pocock, sorry, sent this through, but uh, Hitch, Nick yes. the Hitch, Pocock, and uh, he just, but we've actually had quite a few emails about this, and I meant to brought out a tracking device basically that you can, an app, an app. yeah, but it tracks, yep, uh, so you can track people when they're actually out there racing an Ironman race, and the feedback we've got, and it's interesting actually, you go onto the the iTunes Apple Store and the reviews are really good <laughs> and it, you know finally a year it's about here but they're all five stars and everyone who's talked to us about it has said it does an amazing job heaps heaps better it's just it's like why is this taking so long but yeah. so much but hey they're there much better way to track it track the races now than via the website is to get that app and uh, you can track multiple people at once uh, at any one stage it's not GPS tracking I think it's predictive um, oh is it tracking so it's not it's not but over it's time still, it will become it's uh, it's a big step up in the right direction so we'll have a link up to that it's called um, what is it called it's I am tracker yeah I am I tracker. Am tracker yep um, by Dilltree Incorporated and again go to www.imtalk.me and I've got a link in the show notes so that's, that's one of two things they're doing on Ironman now which is, is really positive in terms of their athlete tracking so if you haven't been tr- watching any races recently what they're doing now is the athlete tracker is kind of defunct on the website now and it links through direct, oh, okay. directly to the timing company that's doing that so for example when I looked at Ironman uh, Copenhagen at the weekend it went off to the timing company that was, oh, okay, was timing that there if you went off to elsewhere then it was a it was a separate time company so then there's just not as many errors and it's just a lot more up to date rather than them trying to extract that those times so uh good step in the right direction okay good time so those are the two website and app of the week and john i think we're going to go into questions sponsor. and answers sponsor x endurance tell me about it Painful joints and muscle soreness from overtraining? Are your joints preventing you from normal activity? Joint 4 is a scientifically formula of four proven ingredients to support the nutrition of joint synovial fluid, cartilage and connective tissue. It's also known as Active 4 in Europe. And one doctor was saying today it's absolutely wrong to limit the treatment of arthritis 
to a pain-killing approach only that does not treat the unleashing disease process. The right thing to do is separate arthritis from the natural ageing process. One must now consider nice ways, uh, not nice ways, well it is nice, (laughs) uh, new ways in dealing with the disease and possibly could be prevented or at least slowed. Joint 4 was built to give you the natural option to help provide structural support to joints, cartilage and connective tissue. So Bevan, you're over 40 now, arthritis is on your doorstep it's bound bound to get arthritis <laughs> surely if the way where we beat our bodies up it can't be good in the long term no so joint four if you go if any of you guys are out there starting to suffer with that give yourself a break and get on to joint four if your body when you're old and your body fades and it's to the point where maybe you can't even exercise or are you really limited will you regret uh no no neither. Gotta, gotta live for the now bevan yeah i'm a bit like that too i'm a bit like you know what I live my life. Mm. You know, there, there is a price. You know, we do use these bodies. Okay, John, uh, X Endurance. Go to xendurance.com. You can check out not just the Joint 4. They've got some really great products. And we always get really good feedback, not just about their service, but about everything that they do. So get the product and you'll be pretty Remember the promo code, I'm Talk 20 Questions and answers. Good old Pete Giffen sent through you. I don't really know the whole wetsuit stripper thing came from, but sounds like a bit of something I'd expect to see at a certain nightclubs on a Friday night. Well, I wouldn't know, John. I've never been. But the only race I, that I've done that had them was Ironman Lake Placid. I know there are a couple others, but it is something that seems to be fading. Less races doing it. I agreed. It is unneeded. And then the race he was talking about, the race that we mentioned a few weeks ago, the downhill running race, the, the Revel, Revel Run. Run. He says they're a bit strange. Um, one thing that he pointed out, if you're used to having the altitude, you can fly downhill and get a fairly easy um, Boston qualifier. Through the, Though many of the races have very unadvertised climbs towards the end. The race series downplays the elevations of these events claiming runners are descending so fast it isn't a factor. I know a couple of folks that got sucked into this and had major issues. One friend is a serious great marathoner and one of the revel runs is her only DNF due wow. to swollen hands and feet from wow. the altitude. Really? I know one or two of the events have had some logistical issues with buses um, that uh, really turned some people off from them. Um, so. He, he did point out, so I think that's a really important point with those downhill runs. A, I think it's a really, um, it's not my cup of tea, um, but also the altitude factor as well when you're going down. I really suffer when I go to altitude and to actually start a running race at a couple of thousand metres, I really str- really struggle with my guts and my breathing. I mean, you, everybody struggles with their breathing at altitude, but if you're not used to it, it's um, it's... It's not, not easy. and But he was pointing out they've got a great race up Mount Washington, which is a seven-mile race straight uphill. The uphill races do appeal to me. Oh, yeah, because it's just honesty, isn't the it? downhill ones, not so much appeal. Yeah, we did it for our runners because we have a winter program when it's very hill-based, and they did a 5K time trial where they went from the bottom of Hackthorn basically to the Tucky and back down. Mm. They're beating your legs up. Absolutely. <laughs> just the heart rate max on the way up and then just destroy your legs on the way down. Okay, John, our patrons... Nate Fillers. He's from a place called Normal, Illinois. Normal, Illinois. Interesting uh, place name. Sounds like he's a pretty smart cookie. He's currently working on his Master's in Exercise Physiology at Illinois State University. Hold his, holds his USAT Level 1 Coach Certificate. What about The Gap? Sorry? The Gap. Well, I was thinking The Apprentice, but I, the, because he's sort of, you know... You need to move your mic around, mate. Move your mic around it, a little bit. I was thinking The Apprentice. Yeah. 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 You're too in your you. But, uh, but then I thought nobody really wants to be associated with anything to do with Donald Trump. So I thought The Apprentice is probably not such a good thing. But I was thinking The Project or Project Nate Fillers. 
Well, I thought the gap is in the gap filler. <laughs> right. <laughs> Come on, that takes it. Okay, there you go. Okay, the gap. The gap. He, he fills the gap. Good. <laughs> oh, good Don't good go career. there. Nice. In the race, John. In the nice. race. In the race, he fills the gap. So they, okay. the the gap filler. Oh, right. I'll just note that. Okay, Mark Egan. I only recently discovered he's, he's another patron. Now he's written us a, a little kind of thing. I've only recently discovered your website. And as an Ironman tragic from my teens, I think you guys have done a great job. I especially like the legends. Well, we haven't known a while, guys. Mm. Uh, the stuff is golden and has made great history significance to document. Good work. I hope to add to it. The interviews you do are excellent and get interesting subjects. And the two of you are fantastic asking great questions. As an Aussie, I absolutely have no trouble recommending your website to my clubmates and these crazy us Kiwis that do an awesome podcast. You both saved me from going completely crazy on my computer trainer in the winter. So we can't, he's an Aussie, so we can't mention the rugby. No, God, what is, come on, Australia. So I, I actually feel st- sorry for Australia. I, I had to turn it off. So I, I got up on you Sunday. You it off? Um, well, no, I just thought, right, I'm going to watch the rugby on Sunday morning and I'm going to do it on the trainer. So then I'm killing two birds with one stone. Yep, nice. So I'm going to do a 90 minute workout on the trainer and watch the majority of the rugby. Got on there got off the bike after an hour because I was just like this is just horrific and I'm not we're spanking them so badly they came back a little bit but I I didn't enjoy it it. but that's the thing because Australian rugby is always our nemesis we like we we don't want to beat us, but no, we want to push us. Come on. Come on, Australia. Pull your socks up. Back to Mark Egan. But back to Mark Egan. Okay, well have you got one for him? No, I haven't. Have you? Uh, Egan, Egan, Egan. Egan the Garden of Egan. The Garden of Egan. <laughs> the gardener. Okay, the gardener. He uh, makes things grow. He does. <laughs> the gap filler and the grower. There we go. Uh, the grower. Okay. If you want to become a patron again, an amazing nickname like that, you go to www.iamtalk.ne and when you, there's different levels and you get different kind of prizes back and you all go into the draw to come to join Bev and John and Kona next year. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and just support us in what we're doing. And it's pretty important because you've got to feed our family families. Exactly. <laughs> just like everybody else. Okay, Jonbo, sponsors. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Lactic Buffer and also our maiden patrons. And you know who you are. And we really appreciate your support. Jonbo, what's your goss? What's my goss? It was organising the Canterbury Secondary School's duathlon champs yesterday. Wait a second. What was the castle we went to in Europe, babe? Robin Hood. Um, oh, Carcassonne. I've been there. Yeah, it's awesome. I watched Tour de France there. Did you really? Oh, yes, in July. I think we had uh, not July the fourth. Did it go around? Did it go, go around it? Did it? No, it didn't. It just the stage finished there. It's amazing, isn't it? That mm. old castle. Mm. Oh. it's good times. Oh yeah. Anyway, back to you. Um, so we had the Canterbury Secondary Schools duathlon champs yesterday. I was sitting. I did sit up on Sunday, and there was a bit of driving drizzle. I was out there in the dark on yesterday morning about seven o'clock. The drizzle was. It was it was becoming rain. I was like, oh. Did it rain yesterday in the morning. It was uh, not pleasant. I was like, I've I've sort of committed. I've said oh, we're not cancelling it. It's all on. I was like, oh, I really think we should be cancelling this now. But luckily, by the time the youngsters turned up, it sort of eased off. It was bloody fresh. Where was this out at Ruapuna? Oh, duathlon. Okay, duathlon. Um, and so that was yesterday's day. And then, what do you think about? I know this is highly impossible. But putting a pool in Rupuna and doing a triathlon? Oh, it'd be fantastic. I've got no idea what the cost would be, but it's been done elsewhere before. Yeah, because well, they're in Las Vegas, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've, and, and they do, um, they do it in Europe, not regularly, but I think uh, I think I saw Andrea doing a race somewhere 
um, this season, maybe even, or it was either this season or last season in a in a, in a set up pool. So how much would it cost to get a set up pool? I've got no idea. If anybody knows, I'd be keen to know it's because see a lot in New Zealand, is it? Uh, then you can go and do. I probably wouldn't do it at Ruapuni. You'd do it downtown in Christchurch, yeah. like in city centre. Be wicked. Oh, it'd be amazing. Yes. Yeah, so and how'd the race go? It was okay. We don't get big big numbers, but uh, some good racing. A little breakaway on the bike in the boys' race. Nice. Fella attacked. We do really short distance because a we want to keep it. You know, it's winter. We want to keep it tight. We want to see some. It's draft legal, and we want to keep it uh, all nice and tight. But a fella attacked on the bike. It was only a ten k bike leg. I think we did two k run, ten k bike, two k run. So yep. short and sharp. He attacked, and, and that was uh, race. Game over. over. Mm. Good on him. Took the initiative. Exactly, and then uh, last week, last week of football over here. Oh, so well, how would you rate the season, John? For Tommy's team, I haven't been coaching out of this 10? year. Out of ten, Impro- they've been steadily improving. They haven't won many games, so mm. but they don't. They, they, they love it when they win, but they don't get that upset when they lose. Mm. That's the problem. It make them hurt. <laughs> yeah. hurt. It's got a hurt loss. Yeah. So that was. I'm reading uh, this book. Wait a second. What's it called? Um, Extreme ownership, and it's. Uh, Oh, it's like extreme, extreme leadership, and it's by Navy Seals. And yeah, you got to hurt when it loses, John. You got to hurt. Okay, that's right. Yeah. So that was my weekend, getting ready for the duathlon and uh, football and rugby. That was my weekend. What's up with your training? Getting back into, I'm going to do a section in the next couple of weeks ago. My plan for 5k domination. Oh, that's right. You're going to do a fast 5k. So and, okay, what, if you smash this plan, what mm. what do you feel you could do? I think I can get down to towards 16 flat. Dream scenario sub, with uh, six I, can't, I can't see that happening. Come so on, John. I believe I'll be, in you. I'd be happy with a sub sixteen thirty overdue. I'm going to do. A, I'm going to do a one k and a one mile as well somewhere along the stage. And on a track. Have got a well, I would do here. it on a track, but we don't have a track in Christchurch. Isn't that ridiculous? We there's quite, there's one coming, isn't there? A Hawsall, isn't it? But, but the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Naipuna Wai. Um, but so at the moment we don't have track, so I would just be more of a straight line one k. See what I can do for that. Yeah. Don't think it's going to be express, but if I go sub okay, three, I, if I go sub three, I'd be pretty happy. That'd be pretty good. Mm. Sub three. Mm. <laughs> What's happening in your world, Bevan? Jumbo. Well, I'm in my forties now. Yes. Yeah. What What have you noticed about your forties? It's a new thirty. Uh, <laughs> See, that's what everybody says. <laughs> no, no life changing moments. No, 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 life just keeps trucking on, Bevan. No, I've started getting. I've got a new getting piano lot, tutor. I'm getting a lot more grey hairs. That's, that's oh been, yeah, it's been the forties. I don't notice the grey hairs. Oh, yeah. maybe I see a tinge. Yeah, <laughs> you know my mate Jeff. You know Jeff the yes. He's gone real grey. He dies his hair every couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, he's he's grey hairs. And when he doesn't, it, it's a bit shocking. Glad you, know? you shared that with everybody who listens in Christchurch. Oh, yeah, he knows it. Um, uh, no, 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 no. I'm keeping my hair at the stage. I haven't gone grey yet. No. I'm not lost it either because my family I come from a long line of baldies. If you're not going to learn it now, you're not going to go. Well, I'll get this one. I'll get you know this like fade back, but that's okay. all right. Um, no, John, not much really. Birthday, yep. Oh, Joe got me some float tanks for my birthday. Float tags. tanks. 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 So she got this me because you can't swim anymore. Yeah, basically, it's a pool where you just float along. No, I I got a Kindle because my Kindle was dying. Have you got right. a Kindle? Yeah, but I don't really use it. Why don't you use a Kindle? Few books. It's just words. Doesn't matter. I prefer the feel of a book. I d- I've got a Kindle and I don't mind it, but I prefer having a book. Oh, okay, well, there you go. Um, I love my Kindle. But anyway, so I got a new Kindle and then she got me Johnny Ives' book. She, she should have explained what a float 
I'm, I'm leading into it. Oh, okay. Okay, just patience, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should do the flow tank. So the flow tank is, uh, what do they call it? A decentralized chamber or something like that. So basically you go into this, it's like a tank, and mm. then it's got salt water in it. And the salt water is at body temperature. And so you're floating on water that you don't actually, you actually lose the sensation that you're feeling you're in. Right. And then it's totally dark and totally mute. So you have no senses while you're in the tank. So you basically just... Is this tank something you have yourself or tickets to go somewhere? No, I've got tickets to go yeah. somewhere, yeah. I, I've, I've always heard of them. I've always been curious about using one. But they, they'll, there's like 80 bucks an hour to do it. And, or 80 for 90, I'm like, you know, I'm pretty cheap. <laughs> yeah. you know, so I'm not going to do 80 bucks on that. So... Um, but I've always wanted to do it. And so Joe got me three vouchers for my birthday. Mm -hmm. So I'm really fascinated because basically it's meant to be, apparently the first time you do it, it's a bit weird because you're just not used to it. Because you basically, it's almost like you're, you, you, like right now, you're sitting on a chair, you feel the chair. Mm -hmm. Your clothes, you know, there's, your body's always giving you senses. So when you go into this tank, you just lose any sense of your body and you're just, it's pure thought. And uh, it's meant to be a pretty amazing experience. But apparently the first time, it's a bit just odd. So you're not really into it. So you've got to do a few sessions before you. So you're just going to go in there and just lie there. Yeah. And you just kind of go deep with your thoughts. Mm. Yeah. You know, do whatever you want in there. <laughs> I'm not going to add to the salt, John. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, so yeah, so I'll give you a report. I'll do it over the next few weeks. And I'll, I'll probably come out of the space kid here, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, dude. Next mission to Mars. Yeah. Who's that up there? Some 40-year-old guy? <laughs> Uh, yeah, 40, 40 doesn't bother me. I reckon 50 would be a little bit harder because I think I'll feel older at 50. Mm -hmm. But I'm still feeling pretty fit. I'm actually, oh, I've started training for my marathon, my half now. Right. Doing the Queenstown half. Started training this morning. Did a 30 minute run on the treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> Smash it, bro. Smash it. So that's good. I'm loving the problem. John, I'm loving the election. New Zealand's having the election right now. And it, two weeks ago, our election looked like the most boring election of all time. We've had a, a government national who've dominated for years. Really successful game. We had a prime minister who basically everyone loved the crap out of. He retired at the beginning of this year, and they brought out a guy who's a real kind of stable character, but not the most interesting guy. And but seriously, two or three weeks ago, our election was a done deal. Mm -hmm. And the last two weeks, New Zealand politics has just been fascinating. Amazing leadership. So they've changed the leader of the opposition. Party. And the, the opposition party was just dying. And. Boom. They haven't changed any of their policies or anything. They just changed the leader and boom, away they go. Yep. It's like this, oh, I, I, maybe I won't share my political opinions. <laughs> I think it's pretty but, obvious. But the policies haven't changed. It is, it's incredible. It's, it's amazing what a lead, good leader can do. I, I think she's awesome. Yeah. But the policies still haven't changed. It's going to be an interesting, it's just awesome. I'm loving the election. I'm, I'm listening to like Gareth five, Morgan, I'm, starting, I'm hang out. I'm, I'm listening to like five different, Gareth Morgan. <laughs> yeah, I've listened to like five different podcasts. I'm listening to you one every day. Oh, Bring on the election. Anyway, so I'll give you my election update each it's week. It's going to be a hung parliament. It's going to be like The worst thing is Winston Peters is going to be the leader. Well, he's not going to be the leader, but. God, New Zealand politics, guys. You thought the American election was bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Train hard. Train smart. Kia